Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to the Killer Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network. I'm your host, Danielle Girard, and today's guest is Vanessa Savage. Vanessa is a graphic designer and illustrator. She has twice been awarded a writer's bursary by Literature Wales, most recently for The Woman in the Dark. She won the Myriad Editions First Crime Competition in 2016, and her work has been highly recommended in, in the, oh gosh, Yevel? International Fiction Prize, you can correct my pronunciation <laughs> in about in a minute. Uh, um, highly commended in the Yevel International Fiction Prize, shortlisted for the Harry Bowling Prize and the Caledonia Fiction Prize. She was long listed for the Bath no Novel Award and Vanessa lives by the sea in South Wales with her husband and two daughters. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you very much, Danielle. It's lovely to be here. So nice to have you. And how do you pronounce that? It's Yeovil. 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 <laughs> I should have asked in advance. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known. British place names, yeah. So it's even worse in Wales where I am, where you have double L at the beginning of everything. I'll bet. Well, gosh, well, thank you for not making it too, too, uh, <laughs> I, too, too hard for me. But um, OK, well, so um, your new book, The Night They Vanish, is out May 3rd. So live already. So exciting. Tell us a little bit about The Night They Vanished, Vanessa. OK, so in The Night They Vanished, my main character, Hannah, is um, she's estranged from her family, but she's moved on from a troubled past to um, a good life where she's surrounded by loyal friends. And those lovely loyal friends set her up on a blind date with Adam, who's a web designer. Um, and as a sideline, he's built The Dark Tourist, which is a website that essentially sells subscriptions so that people can explore kind of creepy murder houses and sites of notorious crimes in the UK. Um, and when Hannah checks out his website after their date, as you do, um, there's a new post listed, um, which tells the story of a terrible crime where a family has been murdered in a small coastal village and the killer never found. But the date listed is today's date and the family is Hannah's. When she rushes home, her family have vanished and the house is abandoned. Um, Adam's sort of insisting that his site was hacked, that he never put the house on there. Um, now, Hannah and Adam have never met before now, but there is a dark connection that links the two of them. And in a race against time to save Hannah's family, they have to figure out what that connection is before it's too late. It's such a good read. Very compulsive, very fast. Um, and I love the the true crime aspect. I've never heard of um, a dark tourism, but did you coin that phrase or is that really a thing? No, that's really a thing. It's, um, yeah, so kind of, um, that's something that was sort of um, inspired. When I wrote my first book, The Woman in the Dark, um, that focuses on a family who move into a notorious murder house, sort of similar to the kind of site that would feature on um, Adam's website. Um, and they kind of have to deal with the sort of curiosity of strangers as they attempt to make this place of tragedy into a home. 
Um, and so as part of the research for that book, I had to kind of look into um, like real life murder houses and kind right. of came across to dark tourism um, as part of that. And it just basically sparked kind of just so many what if questions. I had to kind of, you know, buy a new notebook as you do. Right, exactly. Um, kind <laughs> any, of thinking about that. Yeah, so kind of, oh my God, because um, as part of our business when I'm not writing, we develop websites ourselves. So I was kind of, well, what if you, you know, what if I had a character who, who built a dark tourism website and then I had another character who kind of came across their family home listed on there completely out of the blue. I was like, oh, you know, how can I develop that? And it kind of snowballed into, okay, so who put the house on there? What really happened the night they vanished? Who, what, where, why? And it kind of sort of snowballed from there. I think um, the idea of dark tourism is such a, a little bit sort of oddball and creepy, I think, for a crime writer, anything like that, you're like, oh, okay yeah good. exactly let's, let's look into this yeah some of our um google kind of uh searches are probably a little bit suspect i'm sure you're the same exactly i'm i'm sure we're on a list somewhere about uh, for the things that we look for <laughs> well it's and it does make sense because there is such a voyeuristic you know curiosity about you know crimes in general we know that a that a crime headline gets you know 10 times 100 times the views that a you know that a happy headline gets so the yeah. idea that people are search out and go and visit um places where people have died or vanished um i love it so the books are not connected the woman in the dark and this book but somehow it sounds like maybe this is a theme for you um, yeah, I think it was just something that just wouldn't kind of leave as I wrote the first book, because obviously I was with that one, I was looking, it was very much from the viewpoint of the family who'd moved into this house, whereas with this one, it's more kind of the people outside looking in, sort yes. of focusing on them, although obviously there is that kind of connection with Hannah and her family. Yes. So it was, yeah, something that interested me, it kind of wouldn't sort of leave. Yeah, so it kind of kept niggling away in the background. And the town, um, I mean, the town where the, the home is, it's, it's a very, um, it's a creepy little town too, which adds so much kind of, um, you know, ambiance, creepy ambiance to, to the story. I mean, she, she doesn't really want to go back <laughs> to that town, no, right? No. She never wants to go back. Yes, she she's never wants to. And she has to go back not once, but you know, twice, right? In the book. Um, so she's it's a that adds in a whole nother we, you know, we, I think most of us have some piece of our past that we would prefer not to ever visit again, whether it's a person or a, a place or an experience. And and she's got sort of a whole lot of that. Um well, okay, so you told us a little bit about the inspiration for the story. And I think one of the the richest themes I found um in the book was uh, how parents protect their children, right? Or think they're protecting their children. And yeah. as a mother, I know you said your daughters are teenagers. Is this something that you sort of started, did this become a theme, um, do you think because of being a mother or is it just since we're, now that we're mothers, everything <laughs> sort of, it, the motherhood sneaks in like little vines into, into the creases of everything we think about? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because I think um, every parent has that kind of, you know that, that the instinct to protect their child of course you do so um it can create a lot of kind of 
tension within a book as you're writing I think you know we all go through that sort of fierce protective urge whether it's when they're younger whether it's protecting them from bullies at school or just wanting to always shield them from kind mm -hmm. of fears and worries um and you know as you said my girls are teenagers now and that it becomes a lot harder then because obviously much as I'd like to kind of you know keep hold of them and protect them from everything they need to kind of grow and develop as people of their own and kind of get out there and learn and obviously make mistakes and it's it's very hard to kind of let them go I think as a parent it's just as hard as it is for the child it's a difficult kind of brutal process sometimes to go through I think with um, Hannah and Sasha's dad in the book he kind of it's all a little more extreme he's sort of tries to correct the mistakes that he feels he made with Hannah when it comes to raising Sasha mm -hmm. but his kind of rules in the name of protectiveness are, are, are rather extreme and he ends up making a whole different set of mistakes that cause all sorts of problems for the characters right we compare I mean that that is and sort of it's a funny thing in hindsight right we 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 first of all we expect that our two children will be the same you sort of have one child and you think okay I know how this works I know what, what to do when when yeah. she's breaking down and then you have a second child who is is literally uh, completely different and you sort of have to start all over um and then we we sort of compound earlier mistakes with new mistakes and yeah, you just exactly, figure out yeah. if you're too lenient with one you try to be stricter with the other and then but they, like you said they're completely different people my girls are completely different so every they go through the same sort of experiences but you have to approach it differently each time and I'm sure it's the same with with your children yes, yes. of course <laughs> right and Hannah and Sa you know Sasha their their relationship is interesting too because of course they're very I can't remember exactly how many years apart but they're you know they're sisters that are is it 15 or 16 yeah it's, it's yes yes around yes. there right yeah so it's, it's a big difference and uh in age so they never had that kind of closeness Mm -hmm. as children um so kind of Sasha really looks up to Hannah obviously as the older sister and right um yeah so I, th I think Hannah has that kind of protectiveness towards Sasha because she's so much younger as well so I was gonna say her. yeah but she it's sort of like also she watches she thinks by keeping herself away because of her really you know her hard relationship um with her father that she's protecting Sasha when you know in reality of course um she's not really right i mean yeah, by being yeah. absent she's and, and sasha feels very um strongly that she, sort of this idea of abandonment so it, it's it's so it's so in how we the messes we make when we try to do sort of what's best right uh, or, yeah. or what we think is best yeah um, they all think they think they're doing the best for people but yeah it's yeah i think it's just human nature as well isn't it it's it's impossible no i think no one could be a perfect parent or, or a perfect child or it's no it's just there's no such thing human. so i mean so so the family dynamic is actually also a really big um piece of this and it sounds like in your i assume um the woman in the dark because you, you know it's a family that's moved into this creepy house um you, the the dynamic between not just the the kids and the parents uh the parent child but also you know the relationship between um hannah's dad and her stepmom and um, is that a sort of a theme for you the sort of the the dynamics of family and how they work and how they they don't how they're dysfunctional and you know yeah yeah i mean as a writer it's something that's always kind of fascinated me i actually started out writing women's fiction so mm -hmm. kind of writing about kind of 
familial and um, friendship kind of uh, relationships. Um, but I became kind of fascinated by the, the sort of families and, and friendships and more of the sort of darker side with how they kind of break down and, and things and it became right. uh, but yeah I'm, I'm quite I'm always intrigued by the kind of the domestic side almost like the what goes on behind closed doors that right. you know that. I think that plays into the whole dark tourism thing as well and the fascination with that right you know, you know sort of and Hannah's, you know, her friend, you know, her, and I'm, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm missing her friend's name, her old, um, D. Yeah, that has been her friend forever. And that is interesting, too, because the people that know you the longest, um, you know, she also is really protective of Hannah, and yet also sort of, you know, in some ways misses the mark as well, which I think is sort of the, the theory, this whole idea that the best we do is often, oh, sorry, there's my little puppies gonna bark <laughs> but um the best you know the be the the things we do to protect um each other and and our loved ones are often sort of misguided right I mean um but I think Hannah thank God for D really for Hannah I love I love their friendship and D's fierce protectiveness despite the fact that Hannah is admittedly a handful Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, Dee's always been there for her because she yeah. had such a difficult relationship with um, with her father, and she lost her mother, so she didn't right. stepmother. Right. Um, so Dee has basically been her family, um, and I think that's where a lot of Dee's protectiveness comes from. Yeah. Because when Hannah kind of went off the rails when she was a lot younger, that kind of she was very protective then, and that sort of remained, even though Hannah's kind of got a life together now she's still right. a little bit like a mother with a teenager you're still there trying to protect them and they're like look I can I can live my right. own life now I'm I'm okay right it's kind of it's again I suppose it's a relationship that needs to kind of develop with Dee needing to realize that she can let Hannah go yes constantly proving I'm okay I'm not going to fall off the rails again yeah exactly and 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 needing also to take um you know, control and ownership of her own life. So that sort of brings me to, you know, the, the conversation about the boyfriend, um, which is so interesting because, you know, poor Adam uh, or, or not, right? Whether or not he's innocent um, is something you have, to, you have to read the book to find out. But um, it's interesting to me that he is interested in, in this sort of vo dark voyeuristic stuff. Do you think, I mean, was, you know, I want to, I sort of want there to book a, be an Adam book now about what, what sort of the, the just dark tourism trouble gets him into, but what, you know, what do you think for Adam was, what was the inspiration do you think for him? Was it financial? I mean, cause that obviously could be a, you know, a lucrative, um, a lucrative field. I, I, I'm so curious, but you know, his background is so, I guess you have to just really have no experience with death to, to, to start this kind of website right you just don't even understand sort of recognize what yeah, it yeah. does to people yeah well it was it was kind of um interesting because when i was sort of researching dark tourism i kind of sort of thought a lot about the sort of the ethical side of it and kind of asking those questions that the characters ask of right adam within the book you know can what about the families and the victims of these crimes and the people left behind who have to see people on their doorsteps taking photos or making websites you know listing these things that are sort of terrible tra tragedies that are very personal to them 
And sort of my instinctive reaction would be, no, I, I don't get it, particularly when it comes to, um, say, uh, dark tourism that's about kind of checking out serial killers' houses and things like that. It's just like, no, I don't get it. But dark tourism can also um, be visiting places like um, Chernobyl or Auschwitz right. or the 9-11 memorial sites. Right. And obviously you, no one visits those sites in, in a kind of voyeuristic way. It's, right. That's more about kind of education. It's about learning and understanding what took place Right, and paying respect and history and paying respect, and by educating people, it should you know hopefully God you know stop these things happening again. Right. Um, I think with Adam, it's it's a bit more morally ambiguous because he's looking at these sort of smaller end of the radar, um, uh, sort of domestic crime scenes. Right. And he kind of got into it um, in college. He was very into urban exploring where you kind of explore abandoned buildings and things. And it sort of sparked his interest in what happened to the people. You know, you'd go into a house and it it looks as though people were living there and they literally just disappeared. Right, which is in the what? first date. <laughs> Tell us about their first... <laughs> Hannah, I have to be honest, I was like, run. Their very <laughs> first date. Yeah, so he's kind of <laughs> trying to explain his interest. So he talks about his website and he says he talks to her about urban exploring. So at the end of their date, he he's kind of takes her to an abandoned house, you know, that's really kind of creepy and boarded up windows. And they're kind of, it's all a little bit kind of creepy and scary trying to explain yeah. his uh, interest in it and his kind of curiosity about it. But um yeah, so I mean, the characters are sort of asking all these questions of Adam, and I think it's right. something for the reader to consider right. as well. You know, absolutely, is he teaching and educating people, or is he just exploiting them? Right, which is interesting. I guess, and perhaps uh, a little bit. Um, maybe I'm being a little um, contradictory here, since as thriller writers, right? I mean, we also that our whole job is to dig into these you know very dark you know I mean if most of them fictional but that's oftentimes based I don't know about you but you know you, you do research on real crimes in order yeah. to sort of understand the psychology the um the psychopathy of, <laughs> of characters that we write about so maybe we are we are sort of dark tourists of our own right uh, yeah I mean I think so because um I think the book it describes um, dark tourism as uh, tourism involves traveling to places associated with death and suffering <laughs> and obviously in fiction you're traveling to these places you know by reading about them and I think there's um, a kind of similarity in what we look for both as crime writers as crime readers as true crime enthusiasts or dark tourists right. um, I think we're kind of we're interested in in solving a puzzle Right. I think that's part of it, kind of whether it's a true crime or whether it's a fictional crime. Um, and we're, you know, and we're kind of indulging in a sort of adrenaline rush of fear, but in a safe and controlled way. Right. Right. And I think as well, it's it's part of that kind of self pr protection thing that, that by kind of learning about and sort of understanding these crimes and kind of what's happened, 
we can make sure that we're never in that danger ourselves. Right, so right. We're, we're doing a service to people. <laughs> you know, but we describe right. these awful, awful crimes and then people will never kind of put themselves in the same danger. So, right. Uh, you know, right. on a first date, a guy right. takes you to an abandoned house and tells you he's all into dark tourism. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Well, there, it, you know, that's an, there's an interesting part of that because people, you know, often ask, like, why murder, right? Why do we write about death my mother in particular wants to know always like what about like a nice romance you know and um I think it's an interesting question so you particularly you wrote you know women's fiction but then you made the sort of switch to the dark side what what happened do you think um that sort of made you think you know it's it's more I, I really wanted the the death side of this is more interesting or that's what you wanted to pursue yeah, you know, I don't know. I think um, it was because I always write quite sort of character-driven books, mm -hmm. um, and obviously with women's fiction, it's all about that kind of lead up to the happy ever after. But what right. I kind of found sort of more interesting was, it's like as a writer, what happens after the happy ever mm -hmm. after? You know, relationships <laughs> break down. That kind of interaction between characters or friendships break down, or you, someone betrays your trust and and I think with crime fiction, it's kind of extremes of that. But uh, yeah. Or you could just say it's when your first daughter became a teenager, because that's also <laughs> a very, <laughs> a very reasonable response in my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I think that, that is a that's a good point because it's, um, it gives us so much opportunity for nuance, right? The idea that there are that you know happy ever after is you know, it's, I mean, we all know it's a fantasy, right? There is no such thing as just happily. I mean, you can be happily ever after, but in the yeah, happy, there's also constant, really is it? Yeah, like, yeah. super dark things. And, and I also, I think to your point, like the adrenaline rush, the, the stakes are so high. I mean, you don't read a book like this sort of like at a leisurely, like, oh, you know, I guess it's time, you know, you, you, you're like, what is, let's get, Let's figure yeah. out if yeah, yeah it's going to be thing. okay if they, yeah, if they it's find a kind family. of a roller coaster ride, isn't it? It's like you know that's that's what you're looking for when you're reading a kind of a thriller. It's like that's yes. what you want. You want to be able to not put the book down and be there at right. two a.m. going, "Oh my god, I've got to see what happens next. How exactly. do they get out of this?" And and you're right there with the characters, kind of experiencing it. So, yeah, yeah. And if we're lucky enough to have really boring lives, at least in terms of this, right, then that's, it makes it all the more interesting. We get, uh, we get to sort of live um, vicariously and never have to experience yeah. even the, that first date. I thought, oh, Hannah, <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> well, that's oh. it. I know. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, crime writers are, are probably the happiest of writers because, you know, we kind of get all the darkness out in, in our fiction and then, uh, yes, so we can... <laughs> Right, and we can always say to our people who in our lives who are, who are acting badly, be careful. I know a lot of ways, I know yes. a lot of ways to kill you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, of course. Well, this was, I, this was a really, I was a compulsive read. I, I'll look forward to um, picking up The Woman in the Dark. Um, now tell us what is next? What are you working on now, Vanessa? Okay, so I'm sort of halfway through uh, my next thriller. So um, kind of a little sort of teaser. Um, so 20 years ago, in a small village on a street at the edge of nowhere, a little girl disappeared. Um, suspicion fell on Cass, her teenage babysitter, and although the child was never found and no charges were ever brought, 
the taint of suspicion has remained. Today, Cass is still living in the same house on the same street. She's the oddball, the hermit, the woman you cross the road to avoid. And now another child has gone missing. Oh God, I love it. I, you like these little towns and these all these decades that have passed. I think that's so I, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I do. I'm fascinated by it because I live in a, obviously a small coastal village. Um, I, I set my uh, books in fictional towns because yes. uh, <laughs> far Nobody, too many terrible right. things happens for, to set it in a real town. But I, I mean, I love, you know, I, my seaside town in the summer is wonderful, but I love it out of season when it's quiet and it's just it can be spooky when the mist is rolling in over the sea and you're walking your dog on a lonely coastal path it just sends the mind yeah. the imagination kind of you get, yeah you definitely get the, all of those feelings um from the town in in the night they vanished and this was uh so fun well do you have a tentative title no title yet not yet no yeah. no so sometimes I, the titles come last right it, yeah working know. through a few but you know what i'm sure one will will stick as I uh, continue writing yeah exactly or at the end the publisher will give you a totally different one that's happened to me before yeah, so. that's, that's, yeah that's happened before <laughs> yeah, you come, I always worry if I come across a perfect title then the next thing I know some kind of multi-million selling author will have the same title and then yeah yeah best best not to get too attached to things like yes. that right <laughs> well right. this has been a wonderful it was such a uh, wonderful opportunity to get to hear um a, about your inspiration for the night they vanished and your um your creepy um small town uh stories and i look forward to the new one i uh, hope you'll come back and and tell us about it when it's out yeah, um, i would love to uh, absolutely tell um tell our listeners um where to find you uh, social media uh, online okay so on twitter i'm at vv savage um and facebook at vanessa savage writer instagram vanessa savage author <laughs> um and then you can uh find my website says vanessa savage.co.uk or there is a special one for the night they vanished which is the night they vanished.co.uk which also has um, the first chapter as a sort of extract and a little more kind of inspiration and background into uh, where my ideas come from and things. So I love that. It's a great idea. The night they vanished.co.uk. Yes. Um, so I have to ask one more question because it just occurred to me when you were giving me all your handles. Is Savage your, is that a real name? Because it's such a perfect name. It is, yes, I married a savage. So I, I <laughs> tell him I did not marry him for his surname, but, <laughs> but, it, but it, it was it was really good. <laughs> it works out great. It works out great. I always think I always wonder if I met Karen Slaughter, I'd like to ask her if Slaughter oh, is her. What a, I know. Be, <laughs> can that be your real name? Well, that is what a perfect name. I um I would have thought I, and I love that you can say I married a savage. I mean, I married a savage too, but his yeah, raised is, a bunch of little savages, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But his name is not Savage. That's very, that's wonderful. Well, Vanessa, thank you again so much for joining us. And uh, we please come back next time. That was so much fun. Yeah, thank you very much, Danielle. It was wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I'm Danielle Girard. You can reach me at daniellegirard.com. Stay tuned for our next episode of Killer Women. Bye. Bye.